You are Locked On Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to a Monday edition of Locked On Warriors. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors beat writer for the Mercury News. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and follow Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get podcasts or episodes every day, Monday through Friday. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the app. Join me on Thursday to get in on the action. We have a mailbag episode for you today. And we've got a bunch of questions that I want to get to, ranging from the NBA draft, some trade ideas. We're going to get to some fake trades a little bit later on with some players that we haven't really talked about before. But I want to start with this report from John Hollinger of The Athletic talking about Pascal Siakam. And let me just read you what it is that he wrote. He said, Golden State assured itself of an additional first-round pick when Minnesota failed to land in the top three on lottery night. The Warriors now have the 7th and 14th picks, plus last year's second overall pick, James Wiseman. And there is a widespread expectation that the Warriors will use number 7 and Wiseman in particular to seek more immediate upgrades on the roster. One name to watch, Pascal Siakam. Now, Pascal Siakam is a name that I've brought up on this podcast in the past because he is a logical fit for what the Warriors are looking for if indeed they are trying to make a big swing this offseason. But I thought before the draft lottery that if Toronto was looking for an opportunity to draft its next franchise type of player, that a deal with the Warriors could make sense because the Warriors had this Minnesota pick that was top three protected. And if it landed in the top five or six or something like that, Maybe the Warriors could move that pick with Andrew Wiggins, who makes a similar salary to Pascal Siakam, to Toronto for Siakam. Well, why would the Raptors trade Siakam? He's a good player. Well, he's a good player, but he's probably the third best player on a championship team, like he was in 2019, right? But he's not Kawhi, but he doesn't have that go-to scoring, number one option type of talent or ceiling that Kawhi has. And if he can't be your franchise caliber player, if he can't be the number one option on a championship team, then maybe Masai Ujiri and the Raptors would be better off moving him for a player who could be that. And, and this draft is has four or five, depending on who you ask, franchise-caliber players with that kind of ceiling, if you, uh, according to most draft experts. So if the Warriors ended up with, call, let's call it the fourth pick in the draft, then maybe moving that with Wiggins to Toronto for Siakam could make sense for both sides because Siakam in a vacuum is an upgrade over a guy like Andrew Wiggins. The problem with that is that after the lottery, the Raptors have a better pick than the Warriors. The Raptors have the fourth pick in the draft. The Warriors are sitting there at seven. Now, if you're Toronto, maybe you're saying, well, this is such a deep draft. Let's get two swings at it. Let's keep the fourth pick and go get the seventh pick if the Warriors are willing. And if we have to move Siakam to do it, then let's do it. Now, according to Hollinger, they wouldn't want Wiseman too. So what would that trade look like? It would look like number seven, James Wiseman, plus Andrew Wiggins for salary matching purposes to Toronto for Pascal Siakam and probably a contract like Aaron Bain, something in the six, seven, eight million dollar range to get the contracts to work out. I think that's worth exploring if you're the Warriors. I think offensively, Siakam works, right? He's 6'9", 230 pounds, plays power forward in Toronto, but... He could be a super uh, supersized small forward. He, from a size perspective, he would look like Kawhi. He would look like LeBron, right? With that kind of size. And with the Warriors, 
I think there's a lineup with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Pascal Siakam, Draymond Green, and in this scenario, I guess Kevon Looney would be still your starting center. That's a pretty good lineup. And then you could take Kevon out. You can go small with Draymond at the five and Pascal Siakam at the four, and I think Siakam playing a small ball four is much stronger than Andrew Wiggins playing a small ball four. Not to say that Wiggins can't do it, but I think Siakam, what he could do defensively at that position is much better than what Wiggins can do at that position. That's closer to what Harrison Barnes gave you, closer even to what Kevin Durant gave you from a size and a rim protection perspective next to Draymond in that small ball front court. Defensively, though, in normal lineups, I have concerns. Offensively, I think Siakam can play small forward. He's enough of a he's a better ball handler than Wiggins is. He's got size that could become an advantage. Speed that he's got enough speed to play on the perimeter, right? He's not slowing anybody down. He's a fast player, athletic player. He could play small forward in on offense. Defensively, if it's not in that small ball grouping, then I have my concerns about whether or not you trust him to guard guys on the perimeter that way that Andrew Wiggins can. And where Wiggins is strong is by guarding the other ball handlers, the opposing, the best perimeter player that the opponent has. That's where Wiggins comes in. When Klay Thompson comes back next year, they will try to see what Klay looks like defensively, but I would guess that he's probably not the player that he was before these two season-ending injuries, before the ACL, before the Achilles. And if he, and that's the insurance that Andrew Wiggins provides because he could be that guy. He could be that guy who slots in and guards the opposing ball handler. He could come in and guard James Harden, guard Damian Lillard, whoever it might be, so that Steph doesn't have to do it. Well, if you take Wiggins out and put Siakam in that lineup, I think Siakam could guard bigger players, but I don't think he could stay in front of those guys the way that Wiggins can. And if and and so now you're asking an awful lot of Klay Thompson coming off of these these injuries. I don't know that he could do it. And so that would be my my concern defensively, and I think it's a huge upgrade offensively because even if you look, go past the points per game, right? It's more than that. What Siakam gives you is that one-two, that go-to scoring threat that Wiggins just isn't, right? And we know this. Andrew Wiggins just isn't that at this point. He's a good role player, fits with the Warriors so well. He's not worth $30 million, but he's a perfect fit for what the Warriors need right now at small forward. Siakam isn't a perfect fit the way that Wiggins is, but he's much more talented. And he can be that go-to scoring option, right? When Steph and Draymond are on the bench... Pascal Siakam can come in and run your offense for you in a way that Andrew Wiggins just can't. And so I think that there would be something there for the Warriors. Um, is that enough to part with Wiseman and the seventh pick? Is it enough of an upgrade, Siakam from Wiggins? Is that enough of an upgrade? I would say probably not. I would say probably not, but it would be something worth exploring. This next question comes from Christopher Martin, who writes in, Jalen Suggs might tick off the most boxes of any player in the draft for the Warriors. He looks the part of helping both win now as well as continuing their youth movement to sustain the future. I've circled Cleveland and to a lesser extent Houston as teams possibly willing to trade down. Do you think the Warriors offering their two lottery picks this year and next year's first rounder would be enough to move up four spots? It's a lot to give up, but the Warriors may want to borrow from the Niners playbook and how they gave up so much to get Trey Lance because it's impossible to try to move up from the bottom of the draft, and the likelihood is they won't be drafting this high again in the near future. It's a good question. First of all, can they trade this year's first-rounders and next year's? No, because the Stepien rule, they cannot trade their 2022 first-round pick, and plus they don't have it. So uh, it would be a future first-rounder, 2027, something like that. But because of the Stepien rule, they couldn't move that pick that way. Um, 
but they do have the seventh pick and the 14th pick. And I like the idea of looking at Cleveland as a trade down option. Maybe even Houston at number two wants to trade down. Maybe, you know, Evan Mobley is number two on a lot of people's boards. They have Christian Wood there. Maybe they prefer to get a guard. Maybe they prefer some other kind of player. Maybe they prefer because they don't have much of a roster to pick up more assets to get more picks as opposed to just picking a guy at number two. I still think Houston ends up hanging on at number two and just taking the guy they like, even if it ends up being Jalen Green over Evan Mobley or something like that. But Cleveland at number three is interesting because you can make an argument that Cleveland, if they have Colin Sexton and Darius Garland, they probably don't need any of the two guards that are going to be most likely on the board, Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs. And even if Evan Mobley is there, they just draft, they just traded for Jared Allen, and they seem to like him a lot. I'm not saying that they shouldn't take those players. I actually think they should take one of those players. But I could see a world in which they're not super stoked to do that, and they look to maybe trade down. Now, is 7-14 and 14 enough to move up all the way to number, thir- to number 3? I think it might be in most instances. But then you have the Magic sitting there with 5-8. and eight. You've got Oklahoma City there at 6-18 and uh, 18 or something like that later in the first round. And in this draft, you would rather have the higher pick, even if, even if you know the 18th pick that Oklahoma City could put on the table is not as good as the 14th pick, the difference between six and seven could be enough where if the guy that Cleveland wants is on the board at six and not there at seven, then if you're the Cavaliers, you probably just pull the trigger and do that and say, well, whatever. At 18, we could probably get just as good of a player as we can get at 14. And by the way, I probably agree with them. I probably agree with them, depending on who's on the board at 14. Uh, but I do think that the Warriors should at least consider it because I I think if they move up, it should be for Jalen Suggs. He is perfect for what the Warriors want. And I agree with Christopher Martin. I wrote about this in the Mercury News a few months ago, right after Gonzaga's um, Final Four game when Jalen Suggs hit that game winner. I, I love Jalen Suggs. That dude's a gamer. Good things happen when he's on the court, right? He drives and kicks. He makes the right pass, makes the right decision. He is the kind of guy, especially in this top group, where I could see him walking in and playing at a high level and helping a winning team day one. I have no doubt that Jalen Suggs can do that. He is my favorite guy in this draft. I'm not saying I think he's the best player in this draft or has the most upside. He is just my personal favorite guy in this draft, and he's perfect for the Warriors because he could come in and be a playmaker for you. He can make three-pointers. He could shoot. He's, he's, He's so competitive and strong defensively, especially at the point of attack. He's not taking anything off the table for you if you're Golden State or if you're any team that's drafting him. And if you're the Warriors, you could play him. He could be your lead ball handler off the bench behind Steph. He could play with Steph and Klay Thompson in that backcourt because he's long enough and strong enough defensively and can space the floor and can play make. He can get Steph off the ball and all these things that you want to do. He's ideal for that. all of that. He's ideal for all of that. Tyrese Halliburton on steroids is what we're talking about right now. Bigger, stronger, faster. Great basketball IQ, great field for the game. I think the Warriors should absolutely put 7 and 14 on the table to try to move up and get him if he's on the board there at number 3 or anywhere if they can move up and get him. Um, I probably wouldn't go so far as to put Wiseman on the table. I probably wouldn't go so, so far as Wiseman 4, or I'm sorry, Wiseman 7 and 14 because now you've basically taken the second overall pick from a year ago, the seventh overall pick and the 14th overall pick to move up and get one player. I just think that's too much to risk if Jalen Suggs, for whatever reason, doesn't work out. It just It's just too much. But I would absolutely take these two picks. And whatever future first that you can uncover, if it's the 2027 pick, if, 
if if Cleveland asks for something like Jordan Poole or Eric Pascal or something like that in return, I think you just do it. Because if you can move up and get a player like that in this draft, that changes a lot of things. And, and like Christopher said, you get to now straddle the line. You get a guy who I think can help you right away. Not like maybe not like James Wiseman last year, a guy who could more immediately help you and contribute right now while also potentially getting your franchise player of the future. Uh, coming up, we have questions about Ben Simmons and if the Warriors should trade for him. Um, my thoughts on another trade target that we haven't talked about yet. That's coming up here on Locked on Warriors. Let's take a minute to talk about Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, but unlike most protein bars, it actually tastes good and it's good for you. Built Bars are great for health-conscious men and women, whether you want to maintain or lose weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-in-fiber. They're great if you're on a keto or another low-carb diet, and they have nine different flavors available. Now, they're always creating and releasing new, exciting flavors. They just released in the last few weeks strawberry chocolate, and I just ordered a box of those, so I'll tell you how that is. Built Bar has been with us for a long time. We've enjoyed eating Built Bars and partnering with Built Bars all this time. I always keep a few boxes in the fridge. I get them cold, have them for a snack in the middle of the day. Uh, and like I said, Built Bars have been friends of the show for a year now. We appreciate the partnership that we've built. So support the show by supporting those who support us. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off on your next order when you use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Uh, let's get to our next question here. That comes from Andrew Bradshaw, who writes in Ben Simmons and Tybal for Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, and one of the lottery picks. I think Simmons fits well as a three or a five with Golden State as a jumbo Sean Livingston that can play 30-plus minutes, but having him as our big of the future could take some pressure off his shooting woes while Matisse Tybal makes up for any worrying regard wing on defense. Um, ben Simmons... On its face, I think the fit makes sense, right? He's a playmaker. He can guard several different positions. Kind of, The kind of guy that the Warriors love. I don't know that him and Draymond work together. It wouldn't prevent me from doing it. I think you can always just figure it out, right? And I think that the talent, the talent is such that you would just you would roll the dice on it and try to figure it out. Look, the days of Kevin Durant being your other superstar are long gone. And most teams are in a position where... The fit isn't perfect all the time. Kevin Durant's new team in Brooklyn doesn't fit perfectly, right? There's defensive issues there. Um, so the days of having the most talent and the perfect fits, that's just some basketball nirvana that Warriors fans got to live in for four, for three years. They don't get to do it anymore. And so if you have a talent like Ben Simmons who's available to you, you kind of just have to do it depending on what the price. I would move him for Wiggins, Wiseman, and one of the lottery picks. I would. I would move him for Wiggins, 7 and 14. I would have to consider it. Um, I don't know that it's a good fit. I would have my concerns, but I would do it. Uh, I wouldn't do it for all of that. I wouldn't do it for Wiggins, Wiseman, and both the lottery picks. No, I wouldn't do it. Uh, now you have a really hard time filling out that lineup. And I don't think Ben Simmons is good enough that he justifies getting rid of basically your entire future for him. Because I'm not so, the argument too would be Ben Simmons is young. He can be the future of your franchise once Steph and Clay and Draymond sort of uh, age out of their primes. I'm not convinced based on what we just saw the last three years and what we just saw in this postseason that Ben Simmons is a player capable of being a franchise player of the future. I think he'll be better in a better environment and in a better fit than he is in Philadelphia, but I'm not con convinced that he'll ever get a job. It's not like all of a sudden, if he goes to the Warriors, he'll start being a good shooter. He didn't shoot at all. 
it'll probably be easier. They'll probably have an easier time scoring because you won't have a guy like Joel Embiid in the paint all the time. But it's not like all of a sudden he's going to learn to shoot. And if he can't learn to shoot, yeah, maybe he can exist right now. But he's not going to be able to take over the franchise once these guys are done. So I'm not sure I would trade all of my future stuff for Ben Simmons. Our next question comes from Mid-Level Exception. Thoughts on Colin Sexton as a trade target? If the smoke there is real, it's easy to match salary. You stack a few minimums. Obviously, Colin Sexton is young, too. So it's a move that still allows Golden State to, quote, thread the needle. By the way, the player who has caught... Um, oh, well, that's a continuation of the question. We won't go there. Um, Colin Sexton. Uh I think it would be an interesting fit. He's a guy who could basically be running your offense when Steph is on the bench. He's sort of the best version, I guess, of what Jordan Poole could provide you. And I think you could just maybe trade Jordan Poole and seven for Colin Sexton or Jordan Poole and 14 might be able to get you in the door with Cleveland. I, I 14 is probably not enough. But if Cleveland ends up falling in love with Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs with the third overall pick, and they decide, you know what, we love Darius Garland, we love Colin Sexton, but we just can't have both of them and Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs, let's try to move one of them, let's try to move Colin Sexton. The Warriors make sense, at least from a, hey, let's get our sixth man kind of scoring guard of the future. Uh, but the thing with Colin Sexton is he doesn't do enough defensively doesn't do enough on everything else that he basically solves that six-man role that I think the Warriors really need to solve. And I don't know if he's enough of an upgrade. Considering I, He's a much better player than Jordan Poole, a lot higher upside than Jordan Poole. But if he's in a diminished role coming off the bench, can he do as much, right? There's, is there a uh, diminishing returns with Colin Sexton? And, the, and with that in mind, is the gap between him and Jordan Poole enough to get rid of one of these lottery picks. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Now, if it's just, hey, let's we'll just give you seven. Obviously, Cleveland hangs on to the third pick. We'll just give you seven, and Eric Paschal and Alan Smilagic's non-guaranteed deal and Michael Mulder's non-guaranteed deal and all that kind of stuff. Um, I still don't know if it's enough because depending on who's on the board at seven, and you still have Jordan Poole in this scenario... You really need Colin Sexton, right? Because if you're able to draft more of a wing player who could fill a, different, a few different needs, be a little bit more versatile defensively, maybe that. I still like the idea of moving seven for a guy who can contribute immediately. My only drawback with Colin Sexton is he doesn't do enough defensively to help you. And I think in a diminished role, doesn't do so much more than Jordan Poole can give you that it might be worth that trade. But it also depends on what this front office thinks of Colin Sexton. Um, all right. We're going to do one more break, and then we're going to wrap up our mailbag today on a Monday here on Locked On Warriors. Let's take a moment to talk about Bet Bet BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA playoffs are on, and even though the Warriors aren't a part of it, you can be. Take a look at the spreads, the money line, over-unders, and more at BetOnline. BetOnline also covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time, updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Also, starting July 19th, the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 podcast presented by Locked On and Odyssey, featuring analysis from the GOAT of NBA Mock Draft, Chad Ford, and Odyssey NBA experts Brian Scalabrini and former general manager Ryan McDonough. Our Locked On NBA local experts will make selections and trades for your favorite basketball teams throughout this week-long special event. Search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all sports, podcasts, music, and news that matter to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Phil G. writes in, the Pistons get James Wiseman, number 7 and number 14, and the Warriors get number 1 to take Cade Cunningham. Who says no? Uh, I think the Pistons say no. Uh, Wiseman is, I think, a good fit for them. Isaiah Stewart is good, but he probably tops out as a backup big at best. Wiseman can fill in a need there. They also get 7 and 14 to fill out the rest of that rotation. That makes sense. I understand why you would propose this. Uh, but Cade Cunningham is a generational talent. It's not guaranteed that the guy at 7, 14, or even James Wiseman can be that kind of talent for you if you're Detroit. Cade Cunningham, I think, is a perfect fit next to... Uh, 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 Jeremy Grant next to Killian Hayes. To me, if I'm the Pistons, it's a no-brainer. I take Cunningham. It's a no-brainer that I take Cunningham. Um, Alert Nick writes in, Davion Mitchell at 7 is terrible. You go potential at 7, rotation guy at 14, and if you can't put them together and get a top 4 pick, Jalen Suggs or Cade would be the targets, but at 7, whoever falls out of the top 5, Suggs, Green, Barnes, and at 14, take Davion Mitchell or the Gonzaga guy, who's Corey Crispert. Um, so this is obviously in response to my mock draft that I did last week, that Davion Mitchell at seven is terrible. And I've gotten a lot of comments since I did that mock draft that the Warriors absolutely should not draft Davion Mitchell at seven, that he doesn't have enough upside, that he's six feet tall, that his wingspan came in, um, under what people expected it to be at the combine last week. I get all that. He's 22. I get all of that. But listen, don't let the age, don't let the size keep keep you from thinking that his upside is something that it isn't. I think that Davion Mitchell has a ton of upside. I think he can help right away just because he's a little bit older, a little bit smaller than what we expected. Doesn't take that away. Watch those Baylor games. That guy made things happen. He made plays. He rose up on the biggest stage. He always played better when the stakes were highest. He's a good shooter. He's a good playmaker. He's good on defense. He's going to be, if you're the Warriors, on the floor for you in important moments. I think from day one, I think he is capable of doing that. Where some of these other guys might not be able to do that, even if they have arguably more upside. And do not confuse upside or or athleticism and length and youth for upside. Is there upside inherently in those things? Absolutely. But that is not the end of what upside is. We too often overlook basketball IQ, basketball feel just like you can't teach height just like you can't teach speed and athleticism it's really hard to teach just basketball feel high level star caliber basketball feel you can't teach that either right you can learn stuff with more time in the nba you can increase your basketball iq but even the iq and feel are very different i went the guy with basketball feel tyrese halliburton last year no upside fell all the way down to 12. He was able to play right away, and I think he's much better than people give him credit for because he has great feel, elite feel, compared to the other rookies in his class. Him and LaMelo Ball, highest feel in that class. Um, I would not shy away from taking Damian Mitchell at 7. Now, to get to the question here, you go for whoever falls out of the top 5. 
Okay. Well, if one of these consensus top five guys falls to seven, yeah, obviously you go with those guys. In my mock draft, those guys didn't fall. If Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green falls to seven, yes, you take him. But you, but by definition, these are the top five guys, and the Warriors are sitting there at number seven. So you can't assume that those guys are going to fall. So I don't understand that part of the question here. Yes, if it, whoever falls out of the top five, you take that player. Yeah, obviously. Obviously, if that player is there. But nobody thinks that that player is going to be there, hence why they're considered the top five guys. So take those guys off the board. And by the way, even if Kaminga was on the board at seven, I would strongly consider taking Davion Mitchell over Kaminga if both of them were on the board, just because, and as much as upside, I think Kaminga has the most upside in this draft, but I don't think that the Warriors can tap into that upside because they don't have the playing time to give him. They just don't. I think Mitchell, if you drafted, if you did two alternative universes where you draft Mitchell at number seven and Kaminga at number seven, five years from now, Mitchell is the better player. Just is. Because he can get on the court for you and help right now in a way that Kaminga can't. Kaminga's raw. Doesn't have a great dribble. Doesn't have a great feel for the game. He's a ball stopper. I don't think that that works in Golden State. He's not. He's defensively there. There's there's concerns. Help side defense. All these things. I think he could be the next Kawhi Leonard, but I don't think he can become that with the Warriors. I just don't. Um. So I think at number seven they should absolutely go. Look, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be so black and white about it, about hey do you take the guy with upside and potential or do you take the guy who can contribute right now? Obviously at seven you're going to take a guy who you think has a reasonable amount of upside, okay? You're not going to just take Chris Duarte at seven just because you know he can make shots for you right now. But you need to find out, okay, who is who can help us right now? More importantly, who can get on the floor so that we can tap into whatever potential he has? Because that matters. That matters. You don't want to be in a situation like you were with Wiseman, who I think could still tap into that potential, even coming off the bench, right? I've argued that the Warriors should take a more patient approach with Wiseman, that 30 minutes a night doesn't equate to developing, which is true, but some minutes a night equate to developing. Being the main center off the bench behind Kevon Looney, Wiseman can develop in that role. And if you draft Avion Mitchell, it's not like he's going to start for you either. He's going to come off the bench as one of your lead guards off the bench. And he can develop in that role. And I think that's what the Warriors should be looking for. And whether it's Mitchell or not, maybe it's Franz Wagner, who maybe if you guys are out there, he's 19, He's a shooter, more length. Maybe you were more happy with that. That's the guy who I drafted in the first uh, Lockdown Podcast Network mock draft. I took Mitchell, or I took Wagner at seven, and Mitchell fell all the way to fourteen. And if that's the case, that's a home run for the Warriors. Whatever order you take them in, if you can get both of those guys. But right now, and the way I approach these mock drafts is not how I think the the big board will look a month from now, because I'm not going to try to guess what that looks like. I'm going to say if the draft were held today, and we did this draft right now. What would the board look like, and who do I think the Warriors would take? I think if the draft were held right now, and Mitchell was on the board, and the top six guys, including Kaminga and Scotty Barnes, were off the board, yeah, I'm taking Mitchell, and I don't really know who else I would supposed to be taking there. You can make an argument for Franz Wagner, but I wouldn't take Kispert. I don't think he has the upside that Mitchell and Wagner have. You can go Alper and Sangoon. That's fine. I just don't know that the Warriors should draft him in the center, and I think that the Sangoon love is a little overstated. I think he's really good. I think he's really good. I just don't know that he's a perfect fit for the Warriors. If he's at 14, that's a different conversation. Yeah, you can go Keon Johnson or Jalen Johnson out of Tennessee or Duke, but those guys can't get on the they, those guys might not be able to get on the floor for you right away. Keon Johnson didn't start playing basketball, you know, full time until high school, late in high school. I'm not taking him. 
Now, in the latest mock draft, he fell all the way to 14. I took him there, and I still don't love it, but you have to take a player with like that kind of upside at 14. So it's all relative, right? We'll see how the board falls on July 29th. But it's not just, hey, take upside. Hey, take uh, immediate contributor. It's not as black and white. It's not as simple, right? You're, the the Warriors are going to have one big board, and they're going to order it in a certain way. And when they're at seven, they're going to take the guy that's at the top of that board unless they trade the pick. And that's as simple as it is. And I think Davion Mitchell, don't confuse lack of age or lack of height or athleticism or length or whatever for a lack of upside. It doesn't work that way. Feel, IQ, competitiveness, mentality, all that stuff matters too. And it's just as hard to teach and just as impossible to teach as just being six foot five or something or with a seven foot wingspan or something like that. That'll do it for today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on Warriors. Hit subscribe here on the YouTube channel. Thank you so much to everybody who has already begun watching on YouTube, who has subscribed on YouTube. I've been nothing but surprised by the uh, the reaction that we've had on the YouTube rollout. Also, of course, you can follow Locked on Warriors wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. You can email me questions, wgoldberg at bayareanewsgroup.com. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a great day.